We're reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. The word of God says, For a gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. 7. So that ye were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Verse 8. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith toward God is spread abroad. To God word is spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, your word is truly everlasting, Lord. Your word transforms and renews our mind. Lord, I pray that you will speak to our hearts, speak to each one of us here. Speak through me that your Holy Spirit will give us the wisdom and understanding to apply what we're going to learn this morning. I pray that we're going to spread also the good news to other people, not only to the people that you like, but also those people whom we consider as our enemies, Lord, because you love everybody. You want as many people as possible to come unto repentance and to know your Son, the mediator between man and God, to be your Lord and Savior. So, Lord, bless your word, bless each one of us, and help us, Lord, to be your people who follow you and who walk with you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may take your seats. Last week, we started this message about the evidences of election. Okay? I'm not talking about voting for the next prime minister or the next MP or the next president and so on. When we talk about election, we're talking about the choice of God even before the foundation of the world. And He has chosen us. Okay? Remember, He did not choose people to go to heaven or to go to hell, but He chose people to be holy. Those people who are going to believe in Him will become holy or set apart and to be used by Him in His kingdom. And that's why we are here today. God wants to use you. There's an important purpose why you are here this morning. It's not just because you just want to come here, but God put it in your heart to come here because He wants to tell you something that is very, very important. Nowadays, when we share the good news, sometimes some, some believers would tell people, you know, God loves you, and that's it. God loves you, accept Him as your Lord and Savior, and you are going to heaven. What's the problem with that kind of approach to the good news of salvation? There's no mention of repentance. There's no mention that there should be a change in your life. If you read the book of James, all chapters, all chapters of the book of James, James chapter 1 to 5, it talks about faith having works that is considered active and full of life or living faith. It is not enough that we say that I have faith. Even Satan has faith. In Jesus, He knows Jesus Christ. 
but he's not saved. He's going to hell into the lake of fire. Anybody can say that I have faith in God, but is the object of their faith the real God or is it the gods of this world? And that's why we need to know how to share the good news. And we will see here in our passage this morning that the Thessalonian believers, they really knew Jesus Christ. Not only the God, the generic God of this world, but Jesus Christ himself. And we'll see two important ingredients of true conversions in a person's life. We will see the people who are involved, the people who are the messengers. And here, these are Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And in our modern day and age, that will be all of us. We are the faithful witnesses. Another ingredient will be the people whose lives will be changed. The lost people who are found. The people who are called prodigal and now loved by God because they chose Jesus Christ as their master, as their Lord, and then are their Savior. As I've said a while ago, when we share the good news, it's very important for us to always talk about repentance. These people, when they were visited by the Apostle Paul back in Acts chapter 17, they suffered so much. But they knew that the Word of God is front and center in their life. So let's turn to Acts 17. Because Acts 17 is the background of the Thessalonian church. So Acts chapter 17 is starting at verse 1. So that we can see what's happening. Because we're not going to be able to understand what's happening in the life of the Thessalonian believers if we don't know their background. So starting at verse 1, Acts chapter 17 the Bible says, Now when they had passed, so the day here are the Apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy. When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. So you see, that's the gospel in the nutshell. He tells them that Jesus Christ suffered, he, he died, and he rose from the dead. And isn't that the gospel according to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4? And then further on, what was the effect of his preaching about Christ? Verse 4 says, Some of them believe and consorted. Consort means to agree with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. When these faithful witnesses, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, shared the good news, there was fruit. And the fruit was people who got to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Not all of them believed, but at least some of those believed. And these were the core of the Thessalonian church that we are studying this morning. But let's go on to verse 5. After these people got saved through the preaching of the Apostle Paul, verse 5, But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, 
and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. When they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Let's pause. These that have turned the world upside down. We Christians, we need to turn this world upside down. Because this world is completely contradictory to God's teachings. It's so amazing and so weird as Christians that now Israel is the one being oppressed by the Hamas terrorists. But many students all over the world, especially in those prestigious universities, are protesting against Israel. And they said, Israel should go to hell. Israel, Israelites should be beheaded. All those people should be killed. And one Hamas leader said, we need to wipe out Israel. We need to take that territory from them. Because they don't know the word of God. The word of God says, the territory of Israel right now, including Jordan and Lebanon and part of Egypt, they all belong to Israel. And now they want to get even the small piece of land that Israel is residing in right now. God's wrath will be upon these people. But if you pray for Israel, if you bless Israel, God says you will be prosperous. God will also bless you. And that's why we as a Christian church, we should continue to be on the side of Israel. We know that they are not saved. Many people in Israel are not saved. But there are many Messianic Jewish Christians in Israel. Those people who are also our brethren. So we need to pray for their safety, their protection. That they can be eased out of that area in Gaza and to other places. So that they can have their freedom of work. God. Continue. They are being oppressed right now. And now they become like Instead of the victims, they are the ones being called the cruel people. They're killing people in Gaza and so on. So you see, the world is so much upside down. Evil is good and good is evil. Just like during the time of Noah. Just like the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. And especially in our time. So we need as Christians, to continue to share the good news, just like the Apostle Paul. We need to turn the world upside down. So continuing in verse 7, Whom Jason has received, and this all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken the purity of Jason and of the other, they let them go. So right after the Thessalonian believers come into salvation, they were persecuted by their own people. The Israelites, the Jewish people, persecuted them. And that's the subject of our passage this morning in verses 5 to 8. That they welcomed the word of God despite so much persecution happening in their life. So our main idea this morning is this. True or genuine conver conversions come only through two important things. First, through faithful witnesses that 
proclaim and present the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit, which result into changed lives. And these changed lives also proclaim the gospel to other people. So two important things again, faithful witnesses, and that's you and I. All of us should be faithful witnesses. And because our lives have been changed by the gospel of our Lord. So now in verse 5, looking, look at verse 5 again. The Bible says, For a gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. Faithful witnesses are so important for true conversions to come. And these faithful witnesses, they present the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. So first and foremost, let's look at verse 5. It says, Our gospel came not unto you in word only. The faithful witnesses here, Timothy, Silas, and also the Apostle Paul, they present the gospel. You cannot expect people to know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ if you don't tell them. We need words. Some people will say, oh, they will be converted by the way I live my life. If they see my life, that will be a reflection of Christ and they will be saved. No, they can never be saved by merely looking at your life. They need to hear the word of the Lord from you. Because Romans 10 tells us, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. They need to hear the word of God. They cannot just see the way that you live your life. You need to tell them how are you, are, you are able to live that kind of life that you are living right now. You need to tell them the word of God. You need to tell them the gospel. That Jesus Christ died on the cross. He suffered before that. And then he rose again from the dead on the third day. And that you need to repent from your sin. Isn't it that that was the first message of the Lord Jesus Christ when he entered the ministry in Mark chapter 1 verse 15? He said, repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent and believe. Those are two important words, actions that all of us did in the past. We repented. We turned around 180 degrees from a life of sin to a life with the Savior. And then we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for all of us. True conversion requires the gospel to be presented. And it's not only enough only that it's only our words because the words that we say are not that important unless it comes with the power, the power of the Holy Spirit. The word power here is where we get the word dynamite, dunamis in Greek, where we get dynamite. That, you know, a dynamite is so powerful. If someone will throw a dynamite here, this will be destroyed. That's, but the word of God does not destroy people. It builds up people. It recreates people into new human beings in their spirit. Because the spirit of God will dwell in them. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why even if a professor from UBC, a professor from Harvard University will preach the word of God, but he doesn't have the Holy Spirit in him, he's not a believer, that will not 
cause any effect or influence upon the hearer's life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is not working in conjunction with the Word of God. That's why Paul said here, when we preach to you the good news, it's not only by words. They are not empty words, but they are powerful words. Because these words change you. And you can see later on in verses 6 to 8 that there was a change in the lives of the Thessalonian believers. So there's there's the importance of the faithful witnesses. Remember, Paul, Silas, and Timothy were not just missionaries who were just comfortable in their life, experiencing so much luxury in the way they live their life. They suffered so much everywhere they go. The Jewish brethren were hunting them, pursuing them, trying to destroy their lives. Several times, the Apostle Paul were, was stoned to death. And he was almost dying in all those times. He was persecuted in every place that he went to. So the words of the gospel should be proclaimed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I always tell you, and we, need, we know that in the Word of God, that when you share the good news, always pray. Ask the Lord that the Holy Spirit will fill you. Because if we just say the Word of God just in words without the power of the Holy Spirit, then that will not create any impact in the heart of the person. Secondly, we see here, not only in power, but also in the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit is the power behind our preaching. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no power in the gospel. So the Holy Spirit should always be dwelling in us. And also, in the part of the faithful witness, and that's you and I, in, 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 the, in the, the, the people who are preaching the gospel, the messengers of God, there should be much assurance. What does it mean by the word, by that phrase, much assurance? There should be a conviction, a certainty, a persuasion that you believe in the gospel that you preach. I always uh, tell people, when we share the good news, we are like salespeople. Okay? That's a very bad illustration perhaps, but you may understand the, 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 the metaphor, the similarity. You know, salespeople, they know their products. If you're selling uh, life insurance, selling uh, any kind of product, you need to know much about your product. And you need to believe in your product. You cannot just say, oh, I'm selling this um, this life insurance, but I don't really believe in that. I'm just obliged so that I can have money for my, for my family and so on. We as Christians, we are not selling the gospel because the gospel is free. The word of God is unbound. But when we share the good news, we need to believe that it's real because we have experienced it. The Apostle Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they have experienced the Word of God and its effect in their life. They have been changed. Remember Paul, before the road to Damascus? He was the, one of the great persecutors of the church. He was hunting them down. And that's why he was on the road to Damascus. He wanted to search out all these apostles and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But on his way to Damascus, he had this experience of a very bright light, noonday. And this bright light caused him to be blind. 
And he heard a voice telling him, Why are you persecuting me? And then, at that time, he knew that this is the Jesus Christ that he was persecuting. At that point in time, he came to know Jesus Christ. And from that time on, instead of being the great persecutor of the church, he became one of the great preachers of the church. And that's why we have the book of 1 Thessalonians. Without him and Silas and Timothy, without them believing that the gospel is true, that the gospel changes lives, then they will not be able to explain the good news to the Thessalonian believers. Conviction, persuasion is so important in order for us to share the good news. You need to be excited also when you share the good news. You need to believe that the word of God will change people because if they, the Lord will see in you that it's like you're doing this out of obligation or because perhaps, well, pastor told me to do this, that's why I'm doing this. There's no passion and excitement in your heart when you do this. I don't think people's lives will be changed by your preaching. So you need to have that excitement, that enthusiasm in your heart when you preach the good news, just like the Apostle Paul. Remember also in Acts chapter 16, when they visited Philippi, and they, were, they got into trouble. Some people got them into prison. And in prison, what did Paul and Silas do? They sang to the Lord. And while they were in prison, all the jail doors were opened by the angel of the Lord. And the prison, the, 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 the one who holds the keys to the prison said, What must I do to be saved? At that point in time, he does not understand what's, what's happening to him or to the jail. But what's top of his mind was that, How am I going to be saved from this catastrophe? So the Apostle Paul says, Believe in the Lord, and you and your house shall be saved. So you see, believe, believe, believe is so important. And if you, as a, as a faithful witness, if you don't believe that what you are telling people is true, then how can they also believe the gospel? You need to believe that first. You need to have a full conviction, a full assurance that you have experienced the life-changing power of God. Thirdly, you can see in verse 5, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So their words, their message, were backed up by their lives, their life, their behavior, their lifestyle. He said, you know what kind of men we were, not only with our words, but in our attitude, the way we live our life, you see them. We, there's a change in our life. You know me, Paul said. You know me. I hate those so-called Christians. I call them members of the way. When I was um, a still a lost person, I called born-again people as born-against. I don't know why I called them there, that, that, that word. I called them born-against. Just like the Apostle Paul, he hated those people. But now, he loves all kinds of people. Not only his friends and brethren, but also his enemies. And that's what the gospel does to each one of us. 
He changes our lifestyle. He changes our behavior. And people can see that. And that's why when people at your work or in school see that you're different from them, that's a door opener for you to tell them the word of the gospel. Tell them the good news. The reason why you are different from them. That you have been changed by our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the, pow- the gospel is called the power of God unto salvation. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 tells us. This word power means the ability to do something. And we know that the gospel and the word of God comes inherently with power. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Here we have an important description of the word of God. The word of God says, For the word of God is quick, means it's alive, it's living, it is powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's more than an x-ray. It's a spiritual x-ray of everything that's going on in our life. That's why perhaps when you are reading the Word of God, you see yourself. And you say that well, the Word is speaking to me. God is, the Lord is speaking to me through His Word. Because it applies to my life. It applies to what I'm struggling in right now. And perhaps you experience that and I hope you will respond positively to what the Word of God is telling you. Now in verses 6 to 8, going back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, in verses 6 to 8, we see that true conversions also had an influence, had an effect. And that effect will be changed lives. And these changed lives also spread the gospel to, to other people. Look at verse 6. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. People who were truly converted to Christianity, people who were truly born-again believers, they had that desire and passion to become like the Lord himself. It says here, you became followers of us and of the Lord. You know, the word follower here means actually in the Greek, means mimetes. Mimetes means to imitate. When you were converted, when, when God has truly born, make you a born-again believer, God makes you his follower. He wants you to imitate him, to follow his footsteps, to follow his example, to have his qualities and attributes as your Lord and Savior. And it's not only that. True converse does not only desire to become like the Lord himself, but they want to become example to others. Okay? So, uh, let's backtrack a little bit. In verse 6 says there, ye became followers of us. So, they did not only follow the Lord, but they also followed the apostles. They followed Paul, Silas, and Timothy in their way of life. Is that true? Some of you may be confused. Are we, go, are we supposed to follow also other people, other Christians? There's a condition, of course. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We can follow people, we can follow the leaders in our church or other more godly and mature Christians as long as they follow Christ. So it's like this. Jesus Christ is taking the lead and after the, after the Lord Jesus Christ will be the shepherds of the flock, like the pastors and the leaders, and behind them will be the other um, sheep of the flock. And we follow each other. But we follow only the leader behind Jesus Christ if we see that he's following him also. So take note, if this Jesus Christ and I'm the, the shepherd of the flock and you, all of you are following me, if you see me going this way but Jesus Christ is following that, going that way, you don't follow me. You still follow Jesus Christ. Because you see that I'm erring. I'm committing a mistake. I'm disobeying and not following the Lord. So why should you follow me? But if you see me continually following the Lord as such, then you can follow me also. And that's the essence of discipleship. We'll see that later on. The imitation model. The imitation model is the key to discipleship. I teach you as I follow the teachings of Christ, and you teach other people also. So discipleship is a multiplication process. And that's what Paul and Silas and Timothy were doing. They were teaching the Thessalonian believers, and then the Thessalonian believers were also teaching other people. And that's what we're supposed to do also. As I teach you, as I mentor you, as your pastor, in the future, you ought also to mentor other people. Because that's the only way that we can reach out to the lost, and especially to the younger believers in our church. True converts have the desire to follow the Lord and also follow the leaders of their church. And take note here also in verse 6, that they receive the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. This is one of the verses in the Bible where you can see the word affliction, which is something that is not good, connected with the word joy, which is a positive word. So when they welcome the word of God, the gospel preached to the lost people in Thessalonica, they were in much affliction. Remember in Acts 17, they were being persecuted by their brethren. But even though they were troubled, they welcomed the word of God with much joy. Is it possible for Christians, for especially nowadays, to have affliction, to have problems and struggles in life? But at the same time, we can have joy? It's only possible only among Christians. And this joy comes from, again, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit live in you? If you know that the Holy Spirit lives in you, then you can have joy in the midst of trouble in your life. When Jesus Christ was about to leave the disciples, he told them in John 14, the last verse of John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. My peace I give you. Not the peace that this world can give you, but the peace that can only come from Him. So do not be troubled. Do not be discouraged. Despite your troubles and affliction, I am still with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. So you can still have joy. 
That's very important to remember. Because many people nowadays are not having joy in their, in their life, even among Christians. You can have joy in the midst of affliction because of the Holy Spirit living in you. In verse 7, we see here that these Thessalonian believers became examples, or in our modern-day English, that means example, or a better way, probably a model. The Thessalonian believers became a model to other people, not only in their local community, but also beyond their community. So that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. This word example or model refers to the mark left by a hammer or a die as in the making of a coin, leaving an impression like the original. So in our spirit, it's not in our appearance, of course, not at our appearance, but in our spirit, there's the mark of the Holy Spirit of God that seals us unto salvation. And that mark of the Holy Spirit is the one that becomes a model for other people to follow. And without the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot disciple other people. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot have the joy to show to other people that despite the troubles, we can be rejoicing in the Lord. So the Thessalonian church became a model to other kinds of believers in their local community. Macedonia and Achaia, those are the provinces in the Thessalonian church. And remember, the Greek, these Greek cities during that time, they were abounding in idols. Those so-called uh, Greek gods that we studied back in high school, they have those gods in, the, in different temples. And the, the, the church in Thessalonica is the only Christian church in that area. But despite that, despite the persecution, they were able to become a model for other churches. And not only that, in verse 8, they did not limit themselves to their community. They expanded beyond the community. Verse 8, For from you sounded the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia, but also in every place. Your faith to God ward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Jesus Christ was not able to reach many, as many people as possible. He did not reach out to the whole civilized world during that time. He reached out mainly to the Jewish people and to some Gentiles. Even the 12 disciples were not able to reach out to most of the nations during their time. And that's why it's the responsibility of the local churches like RBBC to expand the Word of God beyond Richmond. Go throughout the lower mainland and go throughout BC. And if possible, go all over Canada. And after that, all over the world. And that's why we support missionaries. All our missionaries are dwelling in different places in the world. South Korea, Africa, Cambodia, there's one in the United States, and so on and so forth. And if we are not supporting them, especially in prayer, then we are not expanding the spread of the gospel. 
We are responsible to spread the gospel, not only in our community, but also beyond. We need to spread the gospels both locally and beyond. So, in conclusion, how can our church work most effectively? So, I'm going to show you the two kinds of models that I mentioned already a while ago. The church works most effectively when it follows the imitation model and the reputation model. The imitation model is like copying, imitating, following. Okay? If one leader is following Jesus Christ, then everybody else follow him, and all those people following will be followed by another group of people. And who knows, after some time, this church will be filled, and we will to um, remove all those other stacks of chairs in the back to fill up uh, this building. So that's the imitation model. And secondly, the reputation model. The reputation model is our lifestyle, our behavior. As we follow Christ, our reputation, our testimony, our witness should be godly so that people can be attracted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, it's not our life per se that is important, but it's our attraction of people towards Christ. When we want them to know Christ, we're directing them to our lifestyle, to our words, so that we can point them ultimately to Jesus Christ. Just like what Andrew did to Peter. Peter, my brother, I have met the Messiah. Come and see him. That's what we need to do. You know, my friend, I have my Lord and my Savior, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. I know him, but I want you to come and see him also and have a personal relationship with him. So in application, how can we apply this imitation and reputation model? First, imitation model, your assignment, everyone. Study one Bible character this week whose character you may imitate. Of course, number one is Jesus Christ, but you may imitate also Noah, the Apostle Paul, Moses, Timothy, all those Bible characters, even King David, King Solomon, but don't follow King Solomon at the end of his life. Don't marry 700 wives and 300 concubines. Follow him at the first part of his life and the wisdom that he gave us through the book of Proverbs. So study one Bible character, Daniel, the one that you're studying in the Sunday school. Try to know their character, their qualities, and try to ask God, Lord, can you give me this kind of quality? that I want to imitate so that I can be a good Christian. Secondly, reputation model. Make sure that after you study the Bible character, make sure that your faith be known everywhere you go this week. Ask God for an opportunity to share the good news. If you're going on a flight to the Philippines, you're beside a person, tell that person for about how many hours? 12 hours, 16 hours in the plane? Of 14 hours, you have a lot of time to talk to the person about the gospel, right? If you go to school, tell your classmates about Jesus Christ. If you go to your building manager, talk to your building manager about the Lord Jesus Christ. To your co-workers, make your faith known everywhere you go. Can I expect you to do that? And I pray and hope that next week, 
Many people will be excited to come here in the front. Pastor, I want to share what God has done in my life this past week. Okay? So let's, let's close in the word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that you've given us your very powerful word. The word that comes in the power of the Holy Spirit, not only in words. The word that comes with much persuasion. So much so that we are able to believe it, that it is true and that it changes lives. So help us, Lord, to follow through with our imitation model assignment and as well as reputation model assignment this week. And may you be honored and glorified through each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's get ready for our...